Hello, good morning. Great to see everyone this morning. And um, yeah, I have my slide up there. Thanks, Alfie. Um, if we can all turn around to Alfie and say, well done, Alfie. That would be really good. Thank you, Alfie, for serving on the back there. You do a wonderful, great job. Um, so, welcome to King's this morning. And probably, maybe the only church, really, that projects images of teeth that go around. Me and Ros have just had a, a bit of a debate to work out, well, are they teeth or are they lollipops? So, hands up for teeth. Oh, I'm going to lose this one. Hands up for lollipops. Right. What a great way to start a preach. One nil to my wife. That's shocking. Okay, so welcome to King's. My name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's really great to see you. As Natalie said, we're starting a new series. I'm going to open that up in a moment, but I just want to start off by looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through to 7. If you've got a Bible, you might want to quickly turn to that. I'll give you a minute. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. And this is what it says. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So I don't know about you, but when I read a bit of the Bible, I love to literally pull it apart. I'm a, I'm a son of an engineer, and engineers normally look at something and literally pull apart, right, how does that work, how does that work, how does that work, and I love doing that with the Bible. So what we're going to do for literally the next two or three minutes, we are going to pull apart that bit of the Bible as quick as we possibly can. Here's what he's saying. First off, for you who have received Christ, just as you received Christ, what's that saying? What is that saying? We've got to remember that this book of the Bible isn't written to us as an individual, although we can take it individually. It's actually written to a whole church, to a group of people. Hold that in your mind for a moment. What he's saying to a group of people, you have received Christ, the crucified and risen one, the Christ who is now Lord over all. I think Paul started the meeting today with the supremacy of Christ from the same book. This is Jesus, the Lord, and you have received him. Jesus is the Christ who is now Lord. Next bit, continue to live in him. In literal meaning, continue to live in him. What the live means is walk. Continue to walk in Christ. Christ, the now risen Lord of all. Continue to walk in him. Continue to be rooted in him. Stay put. Good old Essex talk. Stay put. Stand firm. Get rooted. Let the roots go down. How easy is it for you to go to an oak tree that's probably about 80 years old and pick it up? That oak tree, stay put. And its roots have gone deep. You're not going to move it very easily. Stay rooted. Built up. Stay put by being rooted. But grow. Built up. Don't stay at the place where you are. Keep growing. Keep growing. Keep growing. 
keep growing. Keep growing. I don't think it matters if you've been a Christian two weeks and are doing an alpha, or if you've been a Christian 60 years and you know the Bible inside out. There is still places where we grow. You are not beyond change yet. (laughs) You are not beyond change yet. Don't think because you've reached a certain age, maybe, that you think, oh, you know, I've seen it, heard it, done it, and, and blah, 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 this kind of thing. No, no, no. Jesus loves you enough to still want to change you, to work on you, to work in you. He loves you. Built up, strengthened in the faith, grasping hold of what you know to be true. Ever being strengthened in the things that we are rooted in. Grabbing hold of them, grabbing strongly onto the truths that you find of what Jesus said, of what the Bible says, and overflowing with thankfulness. Being grateful for what Christ has done for you. Being thankful. Sometimes it's easy to become too familiar with the message of the cross, freshen it up. Be thankful. Be grateful. So I've got a question off of the back of that. How? How do we continue to walk in him? How do we continue to stay rooted? How do we get built up? How do we grow? How do I best find that I can be strengthened in my faith? Where's a great place for me to express how I feel towards God? How can I be grateful? Where's the best place that really draws that out of me? The question is, how do we do this? The answer is, I believe, and as a church, to live connected. Live connected. Live connected with God more, but live connected with each other more. So we're starting this new series, this Live Connected series. That's just some of the reason why we want to look at this series. Some of the reason why we're starting up our new connect groups. And as Natalie's brilliantly put this morning, Natalie's great at doing church now, isn't she? I think she's amazing at doing it. And um, the connect groups sign up for one. And we've got two or three more weeks, two more weeks to sign up. The reason why we're going for these connect groups is to find a place where we continue to grow. Continue to be strengthened in our faith. Continue to be rooted in Christ. And I genuinely believe that the best way we do this is together and not on our own. I really do. You can be grateful by standing in the mirror and talking to yourself and saying, oh, God's been really good to you, but you're not going to get much back unless you talk. You might feel like you're talking to someone, but you're not going to get much back. If I'm sitting in a group of people and I'm saying, do you know what I'm grateful for, for this? That does my heart good that I've been able to share that. It does that group good. And then as that group begins to say, oh, I'm grateful for this, then I'm like, that's brilliant. God's alive, Jesus is real, and stuff's happening and going on. And so when we do that in a group, together, either across the board like we do on a Sunday morning, in venues, or if it's in a small group, 
either way, the best way to grow is together. And I think there's something special when we do that in a small group, when there's less people. So we're going to look at some of that this morning. So that's why, off of the back of some of this stuff, what I've just said, Colossians 2, we want to get into small groups. I would encourage you, please, sign up for one of these connect groups. They run for a year. And then after a year, we're going to have another re-sign up. So you can stay in that group or you can go to another group. We want to keep these things fresh. They're every other week to give space for other things to happen in church. So there's some great things to get involved in. Three of our groups in 10 o'clock have now full up. So I would encourage you to get, get yourself out there at the end. If you haven't signed up yet, please look to sign up to one of these groups. And if you're in Bexhill, the same for over in that corner. Please, like, please consider signing up for one of these things. It's going to be good to meet up and get together. So this morning, the first in the series of Live Connected, it's all about together and growing. Together and growing. The best way to live in him is to live connected to him and each other. I want to take a minute to notice someone that we talk a lot about. (laughs) And what I mean by notice is, right, stare it really simply and bluntly in the face. Consider Jesus for a moment. What was he like? And one of the things you'll notice, and hopefully, perhaps you've never noticed, perhaps you have noticed, but it stares you in the face, is that he never did life on his own. He could have chose to do his ministry and everything that he came to do on his own. Ever had that feeling sometimes when when you want to get a job done, if you ask other people to do it, it's just going to take twice as long. If you involve other people in it, you just think, it's just quicker for me to crack on and do it myself. Ever felt that? Am I the only one? I'm revealing my sin to the church. But sometimes it just feels easier to do stuff on your own. So you can crack on and you can get home and you can live a nice, relaxed, comfortable life and put your feet up at the end of the day. Sometimes it's hard work to include others. Jesus, I believe Jesus chose the hard work way. But I believe he chose it for a reason. Because doing life on his own, I know we're talking about the son of God here, but from a humanity side, he was fully God and fully man. I just think he knew that doing life with a group of other people was a really good thing to do. He chose to do life with others. He knew life was best spent with others. He had his 12, Mark 3. You look at the 12 disciples. And then he had his three, Peter, James and John, which you see in Mark 9. He had his disciples. And within that, he had some closer than others. He didn't do it on his own. Jesus chose to live life with other people. Jesus knew that having effective relationships with people was the best way to be. Proverbs 27, 17. I'm sure you know this one really easily. Iron sharpens iron. That good one when you're kind of like living, or not living together, but you're in that place, well, maybe living together sometimes, and, um, but you're in that place where you're doing life with people. And iron sharpens iron. And you see that in the life of Jesus and the 12 disciples where iron did sharpen iron. And it's the same with us as well. When we're together, an iron sharpens iron. But 
the reason for the Bible saying that is it's good for us. An iron sharpens iron, I don't believe, is just about, oh, when it's hard, oh, they're really great in me, oh, I've got to change and things like that, which is part of it. But for me, it's also, so if I'm spending a bit of time with Steve, and Steve's going for a really great time, for me, iron sharpens iron is, I love the fact that when Steve's going for a great time, he doesn't take it for granted, he actually praises God. I see some of the response in Steve in the good times as well as the times that are not difficult. It's not always about the difficult, great in times. When I spend time with people, there's an influence. There's a positive, good influence on my life. Living connected, doing life with people is healthy and good. Consider Jesus. How did he do it? He spent time with others. We clearly know Jesus lived connected to his Father in heaven. No doubt about that. But I think we clearly know that Jesus lived connected with people, with the 12, with his three, and beyond. Those around him. I want to take a look at an example this morning from Matthew 9, verse 9 to 12. Let me do that. I'm a bit behind on myself. On my, um, do you like the slide transition as it goes across and it wiggles? I was quite impressed with that. It took me 10 minutes to choose that one. Unbelievable. Ten minutes. Okay. Jesus Connected is a, is a, a, a lovely example of what I want to do. Uh, Matthew 9, verse 9 to 12. This is what it says. Um, I haven't got it there, so I'll read it out of my Bible. I thought I had it on my notes. Give me two minutes. Here's what it says. The calling of Matthew. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a ta- tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. As you do when someone just comes along, follow me and you get up and leave everything behind and you just follow them. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When a Pharisee saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the ill, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not for high, for I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. The bit that I want to look at from that is the follow me bit. Does anyone think that's quite an interesting thing when Jesus says, Come, follow me? And he gets up. And he just follows. A lot of talks and things like that, and I, and I totally agree with this, where there's such a strong, like the gospel call almost, has got such a strong draw in who we are as people, and the Holy Spirit at work, and God at work in our lives, when he says, come, and then we do. But there's some understanding as well, in the Jewish culture, around what Jesus actually said, and the depth of meaning of what he said to Matthew. Matthew, growing up, was a Jew. He would have gone and got his local education in the synagogue. And if you've got a Bible, okay, get your fingers between Genesis and just find the whole of the New Testament for me a minute. Just, just, just Old Testament for me. And just take a look, at, just for a minute, and see how thick that bit of the Bible is. Matthew, growing up, would have gone to a synagogue and found his education or assuming that he would have as a, as a Jewish boy growing up. By the age of 13, 
he would have memorized, or most Jewish boys would have memorized the entire, most of the Old Testament by the age of age 13. Off by heart. They would have known it. When you're age 13 and you're considered to be a bit like going on in the scriptures, your understanding and things like that, you continue in those ways of studies. If you didn't want to do that or you weren't considered to be able to, you would go on to the family trade where you'll be trained up or to a trade. So imagine at the age of 13, you're considered good enough to carry on. You will then continue your studies. You would sit under a rabbi. The rabbi will continue to get across his ideas and the ideals of what he believes that bit of the Bible is considered to be right and true. And then as time goes on, I'm not going to waffle onto it too much. As time goes on, you would have an elite group of students who have studied and studied and studied and they've spent year out and year out under a rabbi. They then go looking for a rabbi that they feel best fits with. That rabbi would select very, very 0.005% of those students. What that rabbi would say to them is literally, they would go up to them and they would say, come, follow me. You are good enough, you are the best of the best to come and follow me. And they would get up and they would then be the disciple of that rabbi. Consider Jesus goes up to a tax collector who is Jewish, working for the Romans. Not seen as probably in the best light. The fact that he wasn't a disciple of someone shows that somewhere along the way, he just didn't make the cut. So he went on to do something else. And he was doing probably one of the worst jobs that someone as a Jew could do. Jesus goes up to him looks at him, come, follow me. He didn't consider how good he was. He didn't consider his position. He looked at him, he accepted him, and he said, come on, I want you to come with me. I want to teach you some stuff. You're accepted for who you are. That's good enough for me, but come. Walk with me. I've got salvation for you. And I want to, if you spend time with me, I want you to grow. He got a second chance and he followed. What an amazing view of how people were accepted. So when we look at how Jesus connected with people, for me, first he accepted. He simply accepted. After that, it says, they went and had food. Brilliant. Party starts. They eat together. There's something about food that's just wonderful, amazing, brilliant. Breaks the ice. You get talking. Although I'm sure this, in this thing, they didn't start a small group out of all the sinners and that, that, that were meeting up. But they ate together, which is a great thing. Jesus accepts people where they are, who they are, and he connects with them. And I think we can learn something from that. Just for the next five or ten minutes, I just want to get really practical, if that's okay. I want to get really practical with what it means to connect with people. What it means, that some of the things that you see, how Jesus did this stuff. And um, just as we move into small groups, and actually across the church, 
What does it mean to, to try and connect with someone that you don't overly know very well? How did you get over that awkwardness? How did Jesus do some of this stuff? So I just, I just want to spend five or ten minutes really practically looking at what does that look like on paper? And it looks like this. Getting really practical with how relationships and discipleship happens is a bit like this. It starts at this place where of hospitality or rapport. Rapport means you begin to get to know someone. You begin to get to know someone. You're kind of finding out some stuff about them, how they tick, how they work, what might that be like. And you see, that, you see Jesus doing that time and time again with lots of different people. He gets to know them. He starts from a place of having no idea. And what rapport does, it begins to open up a bit of what does it mean to have a relationship with this person or this group. Over time, as that carries on, that moves into this place called relationship or friendship where you're kind of hanging out a bit and it's okay and it's all right and you're slowly still starting to get to know each other. The rapport stuff's still happening. You're still getting to know each other. And then over time, you get to this place of respect. And I think that's the place where discipleship best happens. When we talk about Jesus and living connected, it's getting to the place where I want to be changed as, as a disciple of Christ. And I, when I do that best, I do it best in a group of people. But practically, what, what, what does that look like? What does that mean? Each connection point is kind of like a bridge. And here's what I mean by that, okay? If I don't know you overly well, or if you don't know someone overly well, or someone, imagine there's somebody that you don't know overly well, and they come to you, and they pour out every single problem that they've ever had, and you don't overly know them, then that connection, it's like that bridge isn't strong enough to be able to handle and cope with the amount of information that you've just been given, and you're like, ah, I don't quite know what to do with that. But as time goes on and relationship gets stronger and stronger and stronger, then people begin to feel like they can open up more and more and more. And that strength in relationship is able to hold the kinds of discipleship stuff that we want changed. So it takes time sometimes. Jesus was a great connection builder with people. What does it look like for some of this to happen? I've just quickly done some do's and don'ts. I hope this is okay around <laughs> building rapport with people, what it looks like to build relationship with people. Here are some of the do's that I've come up with. Do's of rapport. Compliment people. How you doing? You're all right. You're looking, looking pretty good today. You don't have to, hey, how you doing? <laughs> like Joe from Friends or something like that. It's just awkward. But hey, how you doing? You're all right. Like, compliment people. It's okay to compliment people. It's all right to do that. Invest time. Take time to go and speak to someone. There are times when I feel like I just can't be bothered. But then I have to say to myself, no, I'm going to invest time to get to know someone. In a small group situation, that's brilliant. Take time to meet up. If you've signed up for a connect group or you're thinking, kind of like, I don't want to do a connect group because oh, I don't know if I can be bothered, you have to. Sometimes we just have to take time. We have to choose to take time. Be inquisitive. Ask, ask questions. Oh, what kind of sport do you like? 
whatever that looks like for you. Use humour, carefully. <laughs> Not too much too soon. It, like, yeah, no, don't do it. Use humour, carefully. Find common ground. Smile. Smile, it's all right, you know. Be positive. Have a positive attitude. Even when you're feeling rubbish and everything inside you want says, I'm going to be authentic and I'm going to walk around in the worst mood ever because that's how I feel. No, that's not going to do anyone around you any good. I'm not saying live a lie, but I am saying be positive. Be generous with who you are towards others. Some of the don'ts. <laughs> don't fake it. No, we don't need to fake wanting to get to know someone. Okay? People see through it. Don't moan about each other. Don't moan about others. When you're getting to know someone, don't moan about this person or that person. <laughs> Strong opinions. When you just started to get to know someone in a group or in church or something like that, hold back on your strong opinions. Just kind of take, let that, yeah, give it a bit of time. And um, it's not strong enough to hold some strong opinions at that point and at that moment in time. What does it look like when relationship grows? If we're looking at that, that part of, like, it's gone really well and it's moving into the relationship, things like that. I'm not talking, I sound like some sort of expert in dating or something. It's not that. <laughs> Get what I mean, didn't you? This is about developing friendships. Life in church is about relationship and discipleship. I think this is the nuts and bolts of it. It's the nuts and bolts of what's it like to come in here on a Sunday morning and spend two hours with 400 other people. It's important. Anyway, sorry. What things could happen over time? Developing trust with each other. Brilliant. Not everyone, but in your, in your group. Honesty. Taking time for each other. Growing in confidence with each other and in yourself. Making yourself vulnerable. So you can be who you are, and that's okay. That's a special place to get to, where you don't feel like you have to hide, and you can just be yourself. That's a great group. That is a great group. Being consistent with who you are. Supportive and caring. Things to avoid. In this kind of thing, not being someone's fixer, where we try and fix everyone's problems because we're so close and they begin to ask us, oh, this, this, this. We're always pointing people towards Jesus. Get on your high horse and become over-dependent quickly on that. Get on your high horse when you feel like the relationship's developed and then you can get across your strong opinions. Now's your moment. I've been waiting for this time in small group where I can say everyone should do this, 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 and that's all we should do. No, no, no. We don't need to get on our high horse. And becoming over-dependent on other people, or other people becoming over-dependent on us. Healthy relationships are equal, balanced, good, honest, pure, right, these kinds of things. Just some of the real practical things of, what does it look like to live connected? Honestly, it takes some time. It takes time, and that's okay, to develop relationships Let's just round up. Throughout the Bible, then, it's clear that we're called to live with Christ or to walk in Christ, to be a disciple. Paul in Colossians tells us to continue in him, 
rooted and built up in him, strengthened and grateful. But how do we do that? We think through relationship, living connected with each other. That's where we grow, together and growing. It's best done in community and not on our own. To start this, where do we start with this? If you're starting in a new group, and there's loads of people there that you don't know, if if you're in a group and there's loads of people that you do know, how does that start? Well, how did Jesus do it? He accepted people. And he ate with them. He connected with them. He just accepted where they were, allowed them to be their self, and that's all right. But it's a place where we want to move on and we want to grow together So we want to develop relationships. There's a great quote from someone called Anne Spangler, who's an author. This is what she says. While the Gospels record many instances of Jesus instantly helping, healing people's illnesses, we know not of one instance in which he simply waved his hand to immediately fix an an ugly habit for one of his disciples. Instead, he simply kept teaching and correcting them giving them time to grow. God seems to work like this much of the time in our lives. He lets our weaknesses and difficulties drive us to himself, keeping us close. Miracles happen, but the inner transformation we do so desperately desire can only be achieved over time. God seems to prefer it this way, perhaps because he knows we can only become like him by maintaining a constant, close connection. For me, the best place to do that is in a group of other people. I connect with other people. I connect with God. I grow as a disciple of Christ, walking in him. Can we stand? I would love to pray. If the band could come up as well. Just as I pray, and um, after that we're going to do the, the gift day, just as I pray, I'd just love you to consider, if you haven't yet kind of chosen, we're going to four venues as well over, over time, and um, maybe just as I pray, I'm just going to ask God to kind of like help us in, in our way of kind of like, God, where, where, where am I going to find home? Where am I going to develop these relationships that Paul's been talking about? Is it going to be in Bexhill? Is it going to be King's Hastings, this venue, 10 o'clock? Is it going to be 6 o'clock church? Or at the right time when St. Leonard's goes? Is it, is it going to be there? Although that will be a bit more difficult because we don't quite know what that one looks like yet. But for the three, that we kind of get an idea of what it looks like. And if you're still thinking, I'm not quite sure where I'm going to find home. I just want to pray for that. And the same for the connect groups as well. So God, I thank you. That in yourself, you're the perfect form of living connected the trinity one add one add one equals one i thank you that we see that in you from the very start there's something in doing life together there's something in living connected there's something in sharing relationship i thank you that we have a bible that shows us how christ lived enable us to more and more walk in him we pray And Lord, I pray that as we move into small groups, I pray that as we move into venues, I thank you that this is all about you 
and it's about the world that we live in. But God, I pray that you would help us discover where our home is. What would that be? And Lord, I pray that as these connect groups start and launch, may they be places where we just feel accepted and a place where we can connect with other people and grow and learn more about you, more about ourselves, more about those around us. I pray, God, that they will be a place over the next year where we would hear stories that people have grown and thrived more than they had done in the last five or six years of their life. May there be great change. May habits and all this kind of stuff that maybe we've been praying about for time and time again, may some of these be broken as we just do community together and truth spoken. Holy Spirit, we give this stuff to you. We ask that you would help us find our home venue. Help us find our connect group. May it go well with us. Bless these groups. Pray for the hosts of the groups. Thank you for them. God, may they just host well. May they invite people in and feel welcomed. The main part of what it means to be a host. So we commit these things to you. We ask that you would do these groups good and be in them by your Holy Spirit at work among us as we gather as your body, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to do the um, gift day in a moment, but for now we're going, to, we're going to sing a song together. If you've got children, I'll just invite you, if you, if you wouldn't mind, to go and collect your children just while we're doing the song, and then we're all going to gather back here. Once you've got your kids, come back into the main auditorium, and we're going to hand back over to Paul, who's going to do the gift day. <laughs>